Good News Ministries of GNN.org presents The Story in the Bible. Now, here is Terry Modica. Now we get to the book of Revelation. In your packet should be the glossary of terminology used in the book of Revelation. I could teach a whole course on the book of Revelation. I'm only going to have a few minutes. This glossary is so that you can read the book of Revelation on your own and be able to understand it. But I will give you enough of an introduction to it so that you can see that it's not a book to be afraid of. It's not a book that really is that hard to understand. With a few key ingredients to keep in our minds, it's not that hard to read. And the book of Revelation has a lot of value in it. When we're suffering and going through difficulties, it's a good book to read for encouragement. The book of Revelation is meant to be applied to our lives now, not to be studied in terms of when is the end of the world going to come and how is it going to happen and where is it going to happen. It's a book like everything in the Bible that's meant to show us how to be in covenant relationship with God here and now today, how to grow in our relationship with God, how to open ourselves to the encouragement of God. The book of Revelation is about being encouraged by God, getting in touch with how thrilled he is with us when we suffer on account of him, and so on. There's challenges in the book of Revelation that can speak to our own lives, our own hearts, about where we need to grow yet, or where we have slipped in our spiritual journeys, or fallen asleep in our spiritual lives and need to wake up. It's a very personal book, and if we approach it that way, and with the glossary handy, we can understand the book of Revelation and not be afraid of it. The book of Revelation has three types of information about time. One, it gives information about what has already happened. Two, it gives information about what is happening. Three, it gives information about what is yet to happen. If we read the book of Revelation in terms of it doesn't matter whether we understand what it is saying about what is yet to happen, the only thing that really matters is what is God telling me for my life now. If we read Revelation from that point of view, it makes sense, and we can read it without being confused. Probably the same John who wrote the letters of John wrote this book, When John was in his late 60s, his reputation as an apostle had grown so that he was known as a visionary prophet. He was very well known in his time. And because of his strong Christian faith, and because of his vocal Christian faith, he was exiled to the island of Patmos, which was a Roman penal colony. At the time that he was writing this, the Christians were being persecuted ruthlessly. And the people needed encouragement to go on. The reason, I think we all know this much about Revelations, the reason why the book is so filled with symbols is so that the persecutors wouldn't understand what the message was. So that the Christians could safely take this letter and copy it and pass it around. The theme of Revelations is stand firm in your faith. Stand firm in your faith. No matter what, stand firm in your faith. Do not get into compromises with the world. Do not compromise it with the pagans and their beliefs. Don't cave into adversity. Don't cave into fear of martyrdom. Wait patiently on God to fulfill his promises. 
God already triumphed over evil through Jesus. We don't have to wait for the second coming of Christ for the triumph. He already triumphs over evil. The demons are already conquered. The battle's already won. All we need to do is lay claim to it. And by that I mean all we need to do is live it out in trust. Live out our faith in trust. Realize who God really is. Walk in the footsteps of Jesus where Satan cannot follow. The book of Revelation says we must let God triumph through us. He's already won the victory. Now let him do it through us as individuals as we follow the way of the cross. The book of Revelation uses many different images to show the struggle between Christ and his followers, us, and Satan and his followers. So there's lots of images that show this struggle taking place. At the end of the present age, Christ will come in glory to defeat the kingdom of Satan. He already defeated the power of Satan back on Good Friday 2,000 years ago. And at the end of the present age, Christ will come in glory to usher in an everlasting reign of God. An everlasting reign where there is no evil. And while we're waiting for this, remember suffering, persecution, martyrdom comes because there is evil in the world. But it is also our way to triumph over that evil. It comes because of evil, but it is our very key to how we overcome the evil. If you look at chapter 2, 2 and 3, this is how you can take the book very personally. There are seven churches. They're like little mini letters from Jesus through John to these churches. But we're not to take these churches literally as the only place where this was written for. Who is the church? We are. This is a personal letter to us. Jesus is saying to you, I know your works, your labors, your endurance. I'm very pleased with you. I know that you cannot tolerate the wicked. You have tested those who call themselves apostles but are not. You've been able to tell the difference between a true apostle and not. I'm pleased with you. You've discovered that they are imposters. Moreover, you have endurance and have suffered for my name. And you've not grown weary. I'm giving you a pat on the back. Yet, I hold this against you. You have lost the love you had at first. Realize how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Otherwise, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Otherwise, you're entering into darkness, in other words. Read it like a personal letter to you. I'm not going to go through all the different stories in here. Think of them in terms of parables spoken in symbolic images. With your glossary, you can handle that yourself. But I want to point out that there are seven Beatitudes in the book of Revelation. First chapter, verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud, and blessed are those who listen to this, to this prophetic message and heed what is written in it. Okay? Chapter 14. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. Chapter 16, verse 15. Blessed is the one who watches and keeps his clothes ready so that he may not go naked and people see him exposed. In other words, it's talking about being ready. The clothes symbolizes our preparedness. Be ready for God and whatever he's going to ask of you. Next, whatever he's going to ask of you when you leave this Bible conference, be ready. Chapter 19, verse 9. Blessed are those who have been called to the wedding feast of the Lamb. 
Then chapter 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. That was, you know, Easter Sunday. The second death has no power over thee. The second death is what will happen at the second coming of Christ when all evil is removed from any sight at all. They will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for the thousand years. And what thousand means? It means infinity. What happened at our baptism? We were made into priests, prophet, and king. Listen, next time you see a baptism at Mass, we're made into priest, prophet, and king. This is already fulfilled. We are priests of God, all of us, the common priesthood. Chapter 22, verse 7. Blessed is the one who keeps the prophetic message of this book. And verse 14, same chapter. Blessed are they who wash their robes so as to have the right to the tree of life and enter the city through its gates. All of a sudden, we've just experienced the fulfillment of the promise that God made when sin entered the world. These are the seven Beatitudes that the book of Revelation mentions, and each one of them can be applied to your life as a personal message to you. And seven, the number seven, is a symbolic number two. It's no accident there are seven there. What does seven mean? Fullness, the complete truth, the complete amount of blessings. Now, something I want to mention about the plagues, the different plagues that happen. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but a very interesting note. The plagues start in chapter 15. Each of the plagues that are mentioned in the book of Revelation allude back to the Egyptian plagues when Moses was getting the people freed from Pharaoh. That's in Exodus 7 through 11. Let me show you which plague goes with which plague in Revelation chapter 8 verse 7. There's hail and fire mixed with blood. That goes back to the seventh plague in Exodus. Revelation chapter 8 verse 8 refers to the first Egyptian plague. The plague mentioned in Revelation verses 10 through 11 also refers to that first plague. Revelation 9 verse 2 refers to the ninth plague of Exodus. Chapter 9 in Revelation, verses 3 through 5, refers to the eighth plague. Chapter 16, verse 2, the plague there refers to the sixth plague in Egypt. Revelation 16, verses 3 and 4, refers to the first plague again. Chapter 16, verse 10, refers to the ninth plague Chapter 16, verse 13, refers to the second plague. And chapter 16, verses 20 and 21, refers to the seventh plague. In other words, Revelation is about us, and it shows how our story that began with Genesis, all the way through the Old Testament, including the plagues that happened when the Israelites were being set free from captivity, It's talking about us being set free from captivity. Everything in the story of the Bible applies to us today. And we can find hope in it. We can find encouragement in it. We can find strength in it. We can find purification in it as we find areas we still need to repent in. We can find victory in it. We can find that tree of life which we now eat from because of what Jesus did on Good Friday and Easter Sunday, and we win the battle. It's already won. Waiting for the second coming, when it happens, that's great. But while we're waiting, it's still great. 
We are living an awesome life. We are on an awesome journey. If we follow in the footsteps of Jesus, if we fully wear the clothes of the Christian life, if we fully live that covenant, I am your God and you are my people. If we fully enter into that, that's what Revelation is saying, we are living in victory now. God bless you. And I would like to do a closing prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, help everyone become aware of the victory in the problems they are going through in their lives right now. Help them discover this day and this day forward the fullness of what the book of Revelation and the whole story in the Bible is telling them about how to live. And tell all of us, I include me in this, Lord, how we are to live because of your great love. And you are our God and we are your people. And for this, Lord, we give you the honor and the glory and the praise. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Story in the Bible. For more faith builders or to learn more about this ministry, come visit our website. You'll find online resources and lots more to help you know the Father's love and grow closer to Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Visit GNM.org today.